and welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast. Ah! Hey, hey, I'm Randy. I'm allegedly Mike, still. Still. Uh, right. th- these claims continue to be made against me. I reject all of them. All of them. <laughs> but well, you should. So what shall we call you? Allegedly Mike. <laughs> allegedly Mike? All right. Yeah, 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 it's working for me. All right, allegedly Mike. All right, hey, and welcome to our podcast. Today we're going to be doing some introspection on Mansions of Madness, the Call of Cthulhu Volume 1 Behind Closed Doors. We're going to take a deep look at that and give also an overview and some of our thoughts on parts of this. So there will be spoilers, so if you plan on running Mansions of Madness in the near future, uh, maybe this isn't the podcast for you, but... Yeah, if you're DMing it, then oh yeah, by all means. I mean, if you're looking at DMing this, this is a terrific podcast to listen to. Uh, If you're about to be a player and your DM has this in the lineup... You might want to give this one a pass. Just saying. Right, but if you're curious about what's in Mansions of Madness, how to spring it on your players, that's what our main focus is going to be rather than a micro view on each and every nuance in here. Yeah, well, this is not a complete giveaway, but the synopsis level plot examinations uh, and like some of the unusual mechanics and the kind of meta theme that uh, is represented in this particular outing uh, will be covered. Right. So we hope you stick around. Uh, we have a little bit of a good show lined up for you. We've got our usual stuff. So we're going to start off with an augury, as we should. What is going to be foretelling for us in the future? Oh, well, now we're examining next week. Uh, I have I cast the augury. Uh, the Oneromancer is, has peered through his dreams into the world of Dark Conspiracy by Game Designers Workshop, a classic. Yeah, yeah this is an old one. It made a splash back in the day, used the die-10 system, but nonetheless, it's uh, a very fun look in an age ridden with conspiracies. This was one that fully embraced every conspiracy and ran with it. Yeah, just wrapped them all up and said, hey, let's have all of them. In an alternate dystopian future that wasn't cyberpunk, but wasn't too far away either. It's a what-if and a dark dream, so... A little shades of what later, uh, you you may recall the movie Dark City. Yeah. Yeah, you know... that obviously came much later than, uh, I believe, the the game Dark Conspiracy. But uh, the point being that, you know, it's dystopian without being so science fiction-y that it's beyond uh, what we think of as regular play. And it doesn't quite delve that far into the sci-fi spectrum. There's still lots of room for uh, challenge. So that it makes a worthy examination of a game that had an impact. And it was kind of the first of its kind. Not, right. not absolutely, it's not like no other games had implications of these things. Well, yeah, and Cyberpunk and Shadowrun were out at the time, but yeah. it was a, Here's a game an alternate reality. solely to that. The yeah. Dark Conspiracies, and so here it is. Uh, more relevant, I think, than ever in time. So, yeah. hey, hopefully you tune in next week, and we'll enjoy the show, or get the show out for you, and you'll enjoy it then. But also, just to let you know that uh, we have a call-in from Larry Hamilton. We're calling hey. from him from Follow Me or Die podcast. And he has some thoughts about our Arthurian movie night. So, take oh, it away, wonderful. Larry. Hey, fellas. This is Larry with Follow Me and Die. I just listened to your Arthurian movie night episode. And you mentioned the Heath Ledger movie called A Knight's Tale. And uh, it's not an Arthurian thing. Uh, it is a knight thing. Uh, it is 
partially based on the story by Geoffrey Chaucer called The Knight's Tale and the name that his character goes by as his uh, fake identity of Ulrich von Lichtenstein is based on a real person so it's a kind of a combination of a story from Chaucer and a historical individual who may or may not have done some of the things he did uh, that he wrote about uh, so anyway just wanted to mention that Good. Yeah, all right. Well, hey, Larry, thanks for that clarification. Yeah, totally misread on our part. Partially due to the fact that that's one of the few movies I walked out on. Got drugged there on a midnight showing and was, yeah, halfway through. is was like, yeah, I don't even know what's going on here. So. <laughs> ah, but I find it interesting that that's, uh, you know, it goes back to Chaucer, of all things. Yeah. Uh, you know. Mr. Canterbury Tales. Yeah, using and, the... Oh, my God, how I hate anything written in Middle English. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, ludicrously hard. My granddad introduced me to Chaucer a long time ago, and I fled screaming from the room. <laughs> um, yeah, using a gnome de guerre. Not entirely untrue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, good actors, though, and... Uh, Definitely, I like music, but, uh, but rock they, music, but kind of just didn't go together. And I guess if you're going to capture Chaucer. It was one of those eras where they were just like anything where they could get the like shiny armor on somebody in a Middle Ages setting. Uh, they loved to get those kind of movies out. And it must have just gotten stuck in our, our craws as like one of the many failed Arthurian attempts. When, in fact, as it turns out, it was not an Arthurian attempt at anything. You know what? I Just on a related note, uh, I think that they should at some point do a story on Alexander Dumas's father. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, you would almost think it like... There's like a rags to riches to rags to riches to rags to riches up and down tale of like wild fortunes rising and falling with the tides of war and social change. Uh, it, just amazing story. Uh, Dumas's father. And you can see the influence in some of my most beloved favorite books. Uh, you know, The Three Musketeers, The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, you know, things of... Mm -hmm. Some of those classic tales, you know, bear little fingerprints all throughout it that remind you of Dumas's father. Uh, once you know what... Alexander Dumas's father went through, you start to recognize that his kid remembered all these tales. And Thomas. Oh. So, yeah, marvelous stuff. But Larry, it's good to hear from you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, I wasn't able to get through Garage uh, Con. We had a lot of stuff going on with family, and we were without vehicle for a while, so there was just no way I could swing it. I know I, know I said I could walk over there, but uh, that's still a bit of a hike in that heat, so. Oh, jeez. Just could not swing it that day, my friend. So hopefully we'll, you'll have Garage Con next year and uh, we'll be able to attend. Garage Con? Yeah. He, had a, he cleaned out his garage and had a little con there. I was going to run uh, the Talon Isles, which uh, ah. is a handwritten adventure for RuneQuest. Well, it was originally for Stormbringer, but I changed it around for RuneQuest. Yeah, you, 
you guys were stranded here for like what almost two weeks yeah we had a we had just a, a loaner car to get us back and forth to work and do stuff but yeah well the, the brakes on it weren't that dependable no. either dude I, yeah I wouldn't be doing any medium length hauls in that uh, but hey you know like the time of torment is over yep your vehicle up yep brand well not a brand new but a nice used car spanking new new know. to me yeah, that dude. It's a really nice car. I love a lot of things. All right, now. all right. Yeah, let's get back into it. Now, so we're talking about mansions of madness. So we're gonna start here with a couple meta themes and then get into it because this is a culmination um, compilation, excuse me, yeah. of several Call of Cthulhu scenarios and also an homage to the original Mansions of Madness, which was a collection of site-based adventures and. One of the things that struck me about the original Mansion of Madness was is that it put the haunted house as the focal point in Call of Cthulhu. Now, right out of the gate, this is you know, one of the early uh, creations of Chaosium. Well, it was in the 90s, so they had a little while with this, but oh. it was kind of a return to me for what, like the haunting, why is the haunted house the site-based, a premier site-based go-to for almost every start of an investigation to get people into Call of Cthulhu. It's like a dungeon almost. Yeah, if you're working in a modern setting uh, beyond ancient crypts and tombs, you know, in the like uh, Howard Carter uh, you know, uh, exploration Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones sense uh, if you get out of that zone uh, and go back to uh, a more modern standpoint what you're looking at is old houses, you know, old locations, uh, whether it be like somebody's uh, wonderful uh, mansion fallen upon, you know, fallen into ruins, or somebody's creepy old farmhouse out on the edge of town. It could be either one, but that's what we're stuck with as we move into a more modern era of adventure. And the classic haunted house tale resonates with everyone. Everybody as a child heard a haunted house story. It connects, and that's yeah, why the, people the love sense it. of abandonment, almost the, the splendor of decay, the allure that draws you in to see what's inside. The perpetual knowledge that like there there's an entire history to this place that is completely lost to you. I mean that you might be able to unravel some tidbits of it. But it also, you know, it literally with no intro starts people down the path of deductive reasoning that like if you find this it probably means that that was here or like oh you know broken crockery Uh, I wonder how that came about oh you know uh, creatures have gotten into the house at some point and spoiled this you're looking at something that is a story that you have to unravel through the evidence available to your eyes yeah, and I want to purport as we start out here, which you would expect no less from... <laughs> expect no less from the bronze short sword of gaming podcasts. Yeah, okay, we're woefully outdated, but, you know, I, once upon a time we were a useful tool. We're, we're just not quite as sharp as we used to be. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very fitting, yes, yeah, so we are... It's a classic, though. As we take a look at this, I would purport that... Part of Call of Cthulhu is an investigative horror game more than a cosmic horror one. Now, obviously, yes, 
And the caveat that I want to put in front of that is that it is cosmic horror because you're dealing with supernatural eldritch entities from beyond time and space. That said, set into the backdrop of that is the mundane and the mansions in here also uh, that factor into this pretty much as well as the haunted house perpetuate the landscape of a lot of H.P. Lovecraft's interests. He was very fixated on certain types of architecture and things of antiquity, mostly because it was a fun hobby to investigate what started out for him, investigating the types of architecture and the people who own these things. And yes, in this one, it definitely gets dark. And many times (laughs) it gets so dark that well, we don't want to reveal everything about this, but yeah, it usually is connected to the uh, mytho, Cthulhu mythos in some tangible way, or sometimes very directly. Yeah, the all of the... Well, and I should mention that there are four distinctive... Uh, yeah, there are four nice scenarios in here. modules, you might think of. There are four modules contained within the Mansions of Madness release. Uh, each one, you know, independent, standalone... Uh, or if your players are running with that theme, uh, I mean, you could either break these things up uh, as you know, interspersed between other yeah, sessions, yeah, where or gonna... uh, have them become expert. You know, like we are the house de haunters, we are the problem solvers. <laughs> uh, you know, we're ready to believe you, Mythbusters, uh, the real mythos busters. You know that have shotgun will travel. Yeah, you do not have to run this linearly in a linear fashion. It is not required. Uh, so all of this can be uh, harvested or employed in any order that you please, depending on uh, your character's skill sets and what you think their level of readiness is. Uh, that makes it a terrific product in my book, because right, at, right, right there on the face of it, you've got this terrific blend of different types of scenarios that right. you, you're not pinned down like, okay, this is like starting point A. No, you read the whole thing, make your own decisions about which module you think would be the best one for this time in this place with your players. I like that. I consider it... Uh, yeah, you can just have it for a short uh, night of scenarios where, you know, this may take several sessions, but you just create one-shot characters for this and see what happens. <laughs> Common enough in uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, don't get attached. But I love playing Steve the Librarian. Well, Steve's not long for this world. Uh, He will discover things that he wished he never knew. (laughs) Now, uh, right off the bat, they start with Mr. Corbett. Now, of course, if you're familiar with the haunting scenario, this is a different Mr. Corbett, but a much better reviewer than us, more well put together and articulate, Seth Skorkowski uh, reviewed Mr. Corbett. So if you really want to see an in-depth on that, I would suggest you look up his YouTube channel, uh, Mr. Corbett. Yeah, Seth Skorkowski's Mr. Corbett. Yeah, but nonetheless, he, uh, he did a great job of reviewing it and putting it together. So we're going to touch on this one. Mr. Corbett is more designed for a scenario of a slow boil. And to do it right, you have to kind of start this one off with a little bit of buildup. And he's basically the next door neighbor. And boy, does it go dark fast. Um... Yeah, my mistake. There's actually five scenarios. Oh, five? I, I, I that's what I Mr. thought. I was, I was like, oh, maybe I I'm forgot imagining about, something. I forgot about Mr. Corbett. Uh, Just like I did with that Night's Tale. Huh. <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, Mr. Corbett is the, the classic slow boil. Uh, not, like it doesn't open up with any major action or uh, like clear instantaneous villain. Yeah, it takes place face. in, it's not a rotting mansion at all. It, in case, it's a very nice house next door, presumably to one of the player's relatives and maybe the relative's sick and they're taking care of them in between adventures. And if you play it out right, and they did take Seth Skorkowski's review of it from an earlier edition to heart, and they changed it with several annotations, not to just pull this adventure out all at once, but build it up over a period of time. So they get to see Mr. Corbett coming and going, and one day while he's coming, he brings in this uh, basket, presumably of groceries or whatever, and then outfalls an infant's severed arm. And of course, you know, there's the shocker right off the bat. And you have to do that right. So you just, you know, it's this pleasant place. So this is a juxtaposition of what you would normally think of as a haunted house. And then... Yeah, it's got the trappings of suburbia and normalcy. You know, with your your witness collection, including, you know, things like the paper boy, whose life was once saved by Bernard Corbett. Right. I want to grow up to be a doctor like the person who saved me when I was hit by a car. It's... All the mixed messages and mixed signals, it seems like such a nice, normal place. But there are little hints. There are little things that are off, that don't quite add up, and that leave you wondering, what's really going on with this guy? Right, and so this, right off the bat, challenges your expectations of what a mansion of madness would be. Yeah, they're ha- it's a collection of haunted houses, but this one is not uninhabited. It's actually lived in, and it's well cared for. It's not in a place of state of decay. But it will definitely test an investigator, especially if you play this as a solo adventure. This will definitely test the deductive skills of any reasonable investigator in Call of Cthulhu. And also as a keeper, you have a little bit more time to dedicate to that one person's experience so you can make the horror even more sublime. But with a little bit of tweaking, it can be used for a group of adventurers. Or investigators, excuse me. I keep wanting to say adventurers, but that's really what they are. So this is where it turns into a investigation, almost breaking and entering into an inhabited house without getting your investigators put into jail or killed. So yeah. this one is a, a real good one for that time in between where somebody is really wanting to play Call of Cthulhu and... Here's a great scenario to put you right in the mindset. It comes with great handouts, as Chaosium is always known to have. It has all the good stats for everything, including the what dwells within the Corbett house. Yeah, that's the big surprise there. And we'll definitely test any investigator or group of investigators that stumbles upon this. Yeah, this... The players do not know it, but there is also a bit of a... The amount of time spent changes the nature of the challenge. Okay, I'm just, rather than giving away uh, the entirety of it, I am going to say that one of the interesting dynamics of that particular module is that it time changes the difficulty setting for the conclusion. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but I liked your point that like this is a morally gray area. There are some unpleasant choices to make, uh, you know, in your how do you wish to resolve this? And yeah, you can are... go in and just like walk right up with a double barrel shotgun and shoot him right in the chest and then start your investigation post-death of Mr. Corbett. Yeah. I... Uh, Dr. Corbett. And then uh, 
you're going to be left with the repercussions of what happens. Now, I know yeah. that there are many Cthulhu investigators who would murder Hobo Lewis in that, but you're not going to live long. Or more importantly, you're going to ruin the scenario if you do something like that. But hey, let players do it and let the chips fall where they may. Or dice in this case. Now, uh, the second entry would be the Cracked and Crooked Man. Yeah, now this is a little bit more what you would expect out of this offering from Mansions of Madness. And this is a scenario that definitely tests the haunted house theory to its maximum. It pushes the Eldritch Horror connection right in the gate. So, yeah, the Fitzgerald mansion is, uh, you know, that... Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it does go into the almost classic Scooby-Doo-esque, unlike the, uh, you know, more suburban, you know, veiled, uh, you know, wrongness... What happens of, behind closed doors. ...of Mr. Corbett. Here, you know, like, this is... Boy, this looks like a mystery waiting to happen. Yeah. Pull over. Bring in the Scooby snacks. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and there's... Two different ways to get, or well, there's two main ways I would get this scenario involved with your team of investigators. Yeah, the investigators uh, receiving a letter from the Dodge Brothers, attorneys at law in the small town of Gamwell, having been referred to them by a mutual friend. Uh, it is the identity of the mutual friend left, of course, to the keeper. Right, and this can be an NPC that they trust or have they've helped out in the past. Yeah, if the characters have developed anybody who is skilled in the, like, finding of missing persons, you know, an actual detective class character, uh, then that's an obvious invite for, like, call the P.I. Right, and then also with this, if this is a new group of uh, investigators and this is their first sort of investigation going forward into the mythos, you can just spring out any character's background and just get them involved that way. So they yeah, provide... they did provide another way, which is uh, one of the key point characters here has an expertise on a you know particular topic of like right. You get an NPC that helps you uh, so and get the players started with that. Yeah, you come to call looking for info, and oh my goodness, we have a mystery afoot here. Yeah, and they have great artwork all thrown with the dramatis persona. Yeah, provided in every single module packet is uh, little, you know, photograph-style images of Which I thought the was... dramatic characters. Man, it, in art game in our, um, in our supplements these days is so far beyond where we started from. Yeah, uh, not like the old days. Uh, Black and white images. Of, and it, hey, they were nice and quaint and we loved them, but nonetheless... Man, has things changed. Yeah, much slicker production quality in this newest release, you know. Uh, yep, and so this starts a little bit off with an investigation that ends a little what I would call Call of Cthulhu meets Clue. And this one trying to find <laughs> out what happened, where, and how. And piecing together things, as always, this is the theme of Call of Cthulhu. I come back, it's investigative horror. The more you learn, the creepier it gets. Yeah, and honestly, this one put me in mind of The Great Gatsby. Because you're, yeah. you're looking into, you know, something terrible happened during the wild heyday of, like, people who, you know, obviously had wealth and uh, privilege and luxury, uh, and something happened. And now all that is left is the decrepit. Right, and that ends to the Gothic era, what we were talking about earlier, that a lot of these mansions are built with the story of their designer and owner. Still in, overshadowing everything. And so, as you get into the scenario, it, yeah, the, 
the mythos connection becomes much more tangible, although it won't happen in the way a lot of players expect. There's no great jump scare moment in this one, rather than there's a kind of a build as more you find out and the closer you get to the secret that's held within the more things start to change in the scenario. And yeah, it will definitely, the ending will test. So this is not one for a small group. I would definitely suggest this one for a larger group of Yeah, if you've only got two, three players, tops, uh, then this may not be the one for them. What you're going to want is a wide array of skills uh, and enough people to back each other up uh, should combative moments break out, which, yeah. Right, so if you have a lawyer, a private eye, and a accountant and an occult investigator this would be a good one but it wraps up pretty nicely with one of the better rewards out of it rather than your sanity some of your sanity coming back is some powerful allies which alludes to further adventures which is why i would say this one is a good starter yeah if you have a large party this is a great first adventure for them to you know wind up uh gaining some of the fullest possible benefits in the rewards category. Uh, now, <laughs> um, yeah, you get a nice, uh, for defeating the creature within, you get a nice dose of sanity points back. Yeah. Putting something to rest, because this one has a, a, a very obvious conclusion. Obviously, they live. <laughs> that That's a good one. I always like living. Well, one hopes. Yeah. Assuming nobody does anything especially foolish. However, I do like the salt being a major component of this one. I'm not going to... Yeah, we're, we're not giving it all away, but... But, uh, the, but rarely have I come across in any supplement salt damage table. And I'm like, yeah, that, you know what? <laughs> a salt with a deadly pepper. <laughs> well, yeah, salt. Now, the next one, the code, is one of my favorites because this one gets into some weird, almost steampunk-esque ideas. This one deals oh, with time very, travel. Um not H.P. Lovecraft, H.G. Uh, Wells. H.G. Wells, yes. You know, it, it, it takes you back to the, like, protean, uh, early 20th century versions of science fiction, which, hey, 100% appropriate in... Yeah, what a variety that they provided here. And this one really shines that, again, challenging you some of your expectations. You go from suburbia to more of a, a murder mystery that has a sullen history behind it that you have to uncover and now it becomes apparent at the end this one yeah you've got this intermix of people who are at odds with one another and whose stories don't match up and somebody is concealing something and something has happened here uh something desirable has has uh put people in a position where like who who done it here okay who's right and this was behind this and this one deals with the disappearance and the code. And so a group of people have come together to try to decipher what exactly transpired here. And intermixed in this is a bunch of Tesla coils, weird clunky helmets and gloves. Yeah. But uh, we're just going to spill it out because there's no easy way to conceal it. You have a large cast of characters and NPCs to deal with. So as a keeper, you want to have, I think, a good prep time of familiarizing yourself with the personalities at hand. The stats aren't as important here as the personalities. And that's a big thing that you need to be prepped on. Yeah, for creating a murder mystery atmosphere where, uh, you know, more so, more clue-esque, I think, than oh, okay. even, more clue-esque than the previous module even. 
Uh, this actually is the epitome of Clue. You're, uh, you have a collection of mixtures of mystics and scientists uh, who are all involved to some peripheral degree or another, and you're really not going to be able to pick this apart unless you take your time to get to know the characters, and the Keeper, as you said, should totally be ready to portray those characters with their motivations in mind. Yeah, because the stats are well provided for you, but yeah. the personalities are the ones that you're really going to want to focus on. And they have spelled them out very handily for the Keeper in this, so... Yeah, There's getting no a uh, either a photocopy or a PDF of this to give the handouts to the players would be prime because ripping these books apart to do that, oh boy, yeah. Yeah, well, it, um, the fabulous scientific discovery uh, of time travel. Yeah. Uh, now, I, look, I'll admit it doesn't quite live up to what you would think of as it, but it's still amazing as an idea. Right, if you put that out to the players, they don't know. Yeah. You know, they haven't read the, the interior contents, so they don't know the parameters. But you're putting it out there that somebody has been to time travel, and as preposterous that may seem, in Call of Cthulhu, this, you know, the, if, you, if, if you're familiar with the mythos, Yog Sothith, <laughs> the guardian of the gate beyond time and space. Yeah, yeah you are. He is the way. is treading into the realms that uh, he should not. Taking place at stately Wellington Manor, this provides a scenic, and not again ruined, decrepit, haunted house. So yeah, this this is much less, as I mentioned with the clue reference. This is much more a whodunit esque scenario. Right, you're getting the players with together. The sci-fi '30s quirk with the you know, like your Tesla coil, yeah. steampunk type tech, you know, proto tech. Uh, and you got to figure out what the frick happened here. And you know, it's initially proposed as a murder with some preposterous ideas, and then of course the players delve in, and then the crazy comes. Yeah, you will find crazy as you go looking for it, and there's plenty of it to be found. Yeah, and again, investigative horror at its finest, right here. And this is where I think the mansions of madness shines best, is that this is where you have a setting-based scenario that unveils itself in layers and each layer has to be postulated and some are red herrings obviously and some are direct clues that you need so sorting those out can be a big problem with the players but it's a rather short adventure it's snappy and this is one where you could if you were properly prepared as a keeper run this in pretty much a single night setting yeah there are multiple outcomes in this one as yeah. one might expect uh, some less awful than others. I, I just want to highlight that uh, owed to the nature of tinkering with time, uh, there are some possibilities in here that they were very clever to work out in advance and prepare the keeper for some of the antics that characters may <laughs> intentionally or non-intentionally Yeah, that takes a lot of the explanation of the personalities that you're going to have to interact with and those eventualities of outcomes is going to really take up a lot of the space of this so don't be too intimidated by it but it is rather snappy and i think this is the one that can be played in one night session and definitely yeah this is putting collecting players together for the murder of colonel mustard <laughs> more than appropriately the strange disappearance okay now let's move to number four okay All right. this is House of Memphis. Yours, your favorite, obviously, was uh, a little bit ago. Yeah. To me, House of Memphis uh, struck a chord. It captured that wonderful sense 
of the early 20th century golden age of the magician. Oh, yeah. This is where a bunch of uh, kind of jerk-faced magicians always trying to one-up each other. Yes. uh, Very much like if you remember uh, Clive Barker's Lord of Illusion. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. I was thinking of that when I first looked at this. More clearly, in in, in the setting and time period appropriate, uh, Aleister Crowley. I mean, if you can imagine a Harry Houdini-type apprentice uh, with a Crowley-esque master who is you know, from whom he has gained certain dangerous secrets that led to conflict, and something has happened, and the player characters have to unravel. Yeah, so this one is good between... The one thing I wanted to add, if I can just start... The House of Memphis. The House of Memphis. This is a good one between scenarios, where the players may be lingering at what to do next. This is a good one to throw at them, to maybe give a little bit of flavor. So, how you play this one... And how you introduce it to the players is going to vary on where you use it. Again, this could be a one-use, one-night adventure. And this would be pretty good for characters with a lot of magician skills. Because this was a big thing back in the 20s. Being a magician was a performance art. Yeah, the evolution... If you remember the time period appropriate as we move back to the 19-teens, the 1920s, the 1930s. Right. As you make the progression through that period, you begin to see the rise of mass media. Uh, radio, uh, recording, uh, and the beginnings of film. So the mass appeal of some of these things, like the stage show was still a very large event, uh, but the possibility of people's imaginations being captured by something from far away for an event to be recorded and for other people to hear about it or see it after the fact was becoming a regular staple of everyday life. Uh, And this led to kind of a golden age renaissance for the magician performer. Yeah, they give a very nice intro primer here on uh, early on the scenario on American magic in the early 20th century. And then you're provided with another dramatis personae of characters. And again, the same goes forward, get to know these people because you're going to be running them a lot. And there are some really fun opportunities for the Keeper to put on different masks. From (laughs) the obsequious to the megalomaniacs. And those who cloak themselves in the aura of the mystic at that time. To the actual... They give an homage to a Harry Houdini in this one. Although they don't call him Houdini. Yeah, it's... uh, What was it? uh, uh, Howard Hawkins? Yeah. Uh, Or... Harold Hawkins. Harold Hawkins, yeah. Yeah, that's their their Harry Houdini. Uh, if you're a keeper and you don't want it, they didn't want to name drop it too heavily because when Houdini has a larger-than-life aura that precedes any conversation about him, there's a lot of myth and mystery. That, of course, he cultivated pers- up completely on purpose. Oh, absolutely. But he was a stuntman and a great performer, and he was a debunker of miniseries and a great skeptic and inspired people even to this day. So that's a big one right there that you need to do. If you want to change the name, feel free. But I would go with Harold Hawkins, not not to uh, for any out of respect for the name of Houdini, because Houdini would be perfectly pleased being put in a game supplement, I think. <laughs> oh, hey, being remembered as one of the, you know, like, as the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And he uh, did uh, uh, commission H.B. Lovecraft to write some stories for him. Oh, did he? Yeah. I, was um, of this. I think he would be perfectly at home in this, but 
it would change the scope of the adventure, so I definitely understand why the name change. But going forward, again, as always, uh, everything starts at a police station. So, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, you're going to get this one's going to be more law enforcement as a. Yeah, you do have cops involved right from the get go. This is like an upside and a downside, you know, with your missing persons type scenarios. You're like, what's taking place here? You have legitimate law enforcement already embroiled, so your player's involvement will be, in some respects, curtailed. So one of my side notes on this, if you wanted to have a player who um, wanted to play something else, having them play a police detective or Flatfoot helping work the beat on this one with the players, this would be a good opportunity for some character switch outs. You know, not a bad idea, because it does give you an opportunity to have a character as a police officer, peripheral to the Or even a private detective, but uh, I always play private detectives in Call of Duty, so... Because who doesn't love the gumshoes? I know. Uh. But, yeah, there's all kinds of mysterious, spooky places, and of course, as, the, as you go through, putting it all together is the Great Book of Eben. Uh, yeah, the Book of Eben, uh, you know... Well, it's up to you, of course, but our old slogan still stands. If you're playing Call of Cthulhu, burn all the books. Oh, man, it's the last surviving copy. Good. Then we have done well. We have spared the Yeah, if you're familiar with the mythos lore, the the Book of (laughs) Eva just really carries forth its own gravitas. Yeah, it pretty much ends up as uh, you might have already concluded. There's a... There will be blood in the end of this, and yeah, the players and NPCs will obviously turn on each other in if they figure it out. And of course, this all is as it was intended. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> uh, to keep it uh, deliberately cloudy so that we don't give away too much. Uh, it has to be said that this is a terrific scenario for the keeper. Okay, this yeah. is one of those complex endings that it, it's not as cut and dried. It could go, you know, mass shambles in a hurry. And if you knew anything about Houdini, it's very fitting to what he was about. <laughs> if there was a way to come back, he would find it, right? Yeah. Well, he did. So, about that. <laughs> yeah, about that. So, yeah, spoiler alert on that one, but we already gave you that one. Okay, and that brings us to the fifth chapter. Uh, the 19th uh, hole. The 19th hole, which... Uh, again, this is socialites and, uh, you know, yeah. the upper crust. The socialites and scoundrels in fine clothes. This is uh, pretty much another little whodunit revolving a mystery and a murder and all of that entails. So at this point, you're like, well, hey, where's the haunted house? Well, this one, like this uh, second scenario, was a little bit more of a house that was haunted. This one has a lot more going on behind the scenes than you would initially have. Involving getting the investigators involved in this one is pretty straightforward. American publisher vanishes from a renovation club. Yes, the newly renovated club. Oh, renovated club. Yeah, the, the disappearance confounds police. <laughs> so right there, you have many ways to get another. This is another great starter. And this one is easy enough to be inserted into an ongoing Call of Cthulhu campaign where there doesn't seem to be much interest in doing something and you need to come up with a scenario. This has, of course, another list of 
NPCs to deal with, which again, uh, isn't so as complex as the last one. The last one, I mean, you get the chance to play a variety of very strong personalities. And this one, yeah, it's a little it's bit much more, more direct investigation, uh, a lot more staid, normal NPCs yep. who uh, less of the... They don't have as many agendas. Yeah, this is, from an investigator's standpoint, a less conflict-driven scenario where like, they're a smaller number of people working at odds against you. Uh, many of them are well-intentioned and, you know, have uh, reason to try to be helpful even. Uh, unlike the last one, <laughs> where everybody has secrets because um, they're all competing magicians. Well, not everybody, but most of them are peripherally involved, so it, it's, a, it's a tough... You're working a tough room in uh, number four. Uh, you know, the House of Memphis. The 19th it's hole... It's Call of Cthulhu, Jake. Just move on. Yeah, the, the 19th hole, on the other hand... <laughs> I love that they call the start the tee off. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of golf but, jokes in this one. Yeah, traveling to Dundee and Crowwood Hall, uh, you know, from America to Europe, uh, from within Great Britain, uh, and from Dundee to Crow Hill, you know, which uh, it does cover a little chapter on the characters traveling because this, you know, setting yeah. the scenario, uh, you know, clearly in uh, the Europe. Uh, with the British Isles. Yeah, the British Isles. You, you cannot really... Uh, you do need to take a moment to explain how the player characters got from wherever they were. Right, before. so if it's an existing one, you got plenty of travel times. If you're just going to start it, you can just... In England, merry old England, then Yeah, you can boom. speed through a tramp steamer trip uh, after having been contacted or you know given passage uh, for it, or if it's of their own volition that they wish to look into these. Or if your investigators find themselves with some downtime and... Very old England. Here you go. Yeah. Marvelous stuff. Uh, but yes, butlers, maids, groundskeepers, household The butler did it. Yeah. <laughs> and any player who says that right out of the gate, you go ahead and you zap them with as many sanity point costs. You yeah, just let all the, the monsters focus, all the, the uh, cult shenanigans and monsters focus on them. Let them be the one that find the first things. But there's a lot to unravel here, okay? Uh, everybody seems to have a tidbit of a clue. Yeah, this is a really a complex investigation, and again... But lots they, of red herrings. Yeah, so the players are going to be obviously scrambling around. So this is going to be one that, again, having a knowledge beforehand of where the players want to go and how they want to be presented with stuff, or how you present them and how you want them to move forward with it as the keeper is entirely up to you. If they seem to be going too far off on a red herring tangent, steering them back with a couple idea rolls, or rather than just saying, well, there's trees in the way, you can't go any further. <laughs> give them, an, and with a lot of the NPCs provided here, can steer them right back on course. And put, of course, the specifics of the characters and NPCs and the relationships to the, the events around here is primed to being able to make this scenario sing. Because if you do it right and the players are way off on a tangent, one of the NPCs can, can quickly put them back on track with a bit of advice or an observation that they may have missed. Yeah, well worth it. Now, uh, once again, mysticism plays a hand in this. You know, somebody has been tampering in things that they should not. Uh, unraveling precisely who that is when they, you know, nobody wants you to know that. Uh, they, they may be comfortable with you knowing other things, and, hey, there's plenty of innocent parties in this one. Exactly. Uh, who will let stuff slip. 
but there are other people who are not going to be especially forthcoming, even if they weren't the actual guilty party themselves. Obviously, the you know the bad bad actors in this will not be handing you the info info on a. Yeah, I mean, you say, well, there's not much uh, mythos in this. Well, once again, wait till the end. Yeah, it's coming, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you ain't going to like it. Yeah, the, the tampering. And once again, there's a little whiff of the scientific. You like yeah, that, yeah, uh, just that little bit. The, the little blend. They can of... kind of just get the players like, hey, maybe this is just something else. Oh, no, it's all about Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. Cthulhu did it. What? No, the Cthulhu mythos did it. Cthulhu may not have done Now... <laughs> there are, um, you know, and it, it's not really, it doesn't come down to just one potential opponent either. Yeah, so you could find yourself there. hitting all three notes on this one, depending on how thorough the investigators are. If they're really on the ball and you players love a mystery on this one, yeah. Now, the nice thing at the end is we said rather than tearing the book apart, you have, they have all the handouts at the end. Yeah, so you could snap a picture with your phone, uh, you know, uh, crop it and zap you know send that to all your players if you're doing smart right and you don't have to bend the spine in the middle of the book to make photocopies or run printouts you know yeah Yeah, keep it authentic and hand them like little clipped snap bits (laughs) of paper Um, you you can do that too but they they covered in the final section a recap of all the handouts in an order which i totally appreciate and also a nice index at the back so you can look through it all in all, yeah, we beat it to death. Investigative horror. But that's because this is where Call of Cthulhu makes its mark as the premier role-playing game. Now, yeah, we all love Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, and RuneQuest, and Traveler, and stuff like that. But oh, yeah. Call of Cthulhu is really one of those games where it's a completely different experience, but yet still has its rewards and level-ups and advancement and achievements they make you feel like you're really playing a different type of game. But in this one, finding finding the, all the clues and reading all the books, um, it's not the reward you think it is. You're not going to get more powerful. Oh, you will. Oh, you can refine a large number of skills, but they're... How do I put this? There's a balance. There's a give and take. Yep. Uh, there are things you want to know, and there will things you wish you didn't know. It's a great deal like discovering the internet. <laughs> ah, what has been seen cannot be unseen. Eye bleach. Eye bleach. I need eye bleach. Uh, Screw that. Al- I need brain bleach. If the aliens ever uh, kidnap me, I'm going to ask him to erase that first. Uh, Get in line, Buster. <laughs> Get in now, line. So I love it because it blends the idea of forbidden knowledge uh, and gives you good reason as to why it should be forbidden knowledge. Uh, but it does reward the players with, like, obviously in the system for Call of Cthulhu, uh, the exercise of your skills builds to rewards in those skill sets. So if characters are perpetually moving forward and advancing, you know, success does have its benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, having a little distance from that, like, you, like, let's not tear it all apart to examine every last tidbit, for the sake of our own sanity. I love that. It's a wonderful balanced approach that I I think you really have to coax players into that mindset or they will have many unpleasant surprises ahead of them. Well, a lot of the pros of this, and yeah, we gush, but uh, this is good material, so it's hard not to have a lot of gushing for this. This is a great 
reason why every Call of Cthulhu Keeper needs to have a large volume of scenarios at their command. So you can anticipate the slow moments when somebody just wants to play some Call of Cthulhu between sessions of other games, or in a longer running Call of Cthulhu campaign, you have other things to pull on when not everybody can get together. And this scenario pack really harkens back to the old days of Chaosium when that's what they provided, a large, almost menagerie of scenarios to play and have different experience in. And each one of these is written by different people, of course, over uh, time, two of them very classic ones and from the original Mansions of Madness. And the others uh, made up uh, the 19th hole is a great one. And of course it has a golf motif for a reason <laughs> because it's a golf club. Again, takes me back to the great Gatsby, you know, yeah, wonderful, yeah. that era of like uh, luxury and, uh, you know, new wealth and old wealth mingling uh, with a weird resentment for one another, you know, just, People daring too much and falling from grace. You know, just it's got that sensibility about it. So some of the cons that we can talk about, uh, preparation and time. Some of these scenarios just cannot be run off the cuff. Yeah, these. It, this is a homework required uh, kind of prep. Uh, those who wish to be a gamekeeper for this. Well, you did a fair job, I think, in mentioning that the specific thing... Uh, keeper would have to prepare for is adopting the roles of so many non-player characters, all of whom uh, are either uh, unrelated slash a red herring, perfectly innocent, or only have a tidbit of information that can be gotten with a reasonable level of investigation, or are actively hiding something of their own and working at cross purposes. That's going to take some practice. People got to, you got to do your homework on these and it, it requires cliff notes um, mm-hmm. and cards for like little three by five uh, index cards you know, so that you have a cue card on what that character is like in your hand and ready while you uh, game master. These things can help, but be ready. Yeah, if you do what Mike says, that way you can still keep looking the players in the eyes and not have to flip through pages and keep your pace and cadence with that NPC. That's a big presentation. And this is part of why I think that Call of Cthulhu is the master course in game mastering, is once you have mastered Call of Cthulhu, you're ready for everything. Yeah. There, that, there are a few things in NPCs and uh, plots that I can't throw with you. Big monsters, big prizes. Right, it's not so much a tactical role-playing game like no. an exercise that uh, Pathfinder and 3rd uh, Edition could be. That's a different type of scenario, but this one is one that engages the player's imaginations in a completely different fashion from um, mazes and dungeons and labyrinths. And when I said it was a haunted house scenario, that was kind of to throw things off because I think one of the big things that this does with Mansions of Madness, rather than just have creepy haunted houses with rooms filled with, that turns uh, Call of Cthulhu into a dungeon crawl, this one hits the areas of opulence, as you so well put it. Yeah, and these setting descriptions often involve like the elaborate locations that you are at, occupied by a variety of people. And so you, you range the gamut from, uh, you know, stately uh, to decrepit. Mm-hmm. And man, you know, it comes back to places have a life of their and own. And they're very focused, and that's why they lend themselves to one-off or... 
easy to insert in between sessions yeah another, of a larger campaign I, also frankly you know retailing at uh, 43 or what is it 42.99 yeah you know the 40 plus dollar book five adventure modules in there okay five separate adventures for 43 bucks i feel like that is great mm-hmm. bang for your gamer Us. dollar so kudos chaosium uh, you know some people at, and in this case, it's not straight-jacketed. It's non-linear. You can pick and choose and move back and forth. Yeah, this is not meant to be played back-to-back from one scenario to Yeah. You could possibly do that, but I, I think it would lose... I will complimenting its... companies that make a decision like that and like give people uh, yep, a lot of... your options because... A lot of action for your You may game. end up only running a couple of scenarios from this one. Yeah. But the fact that the other ones you can borrow and pick part and use certain other parts in another adventure. Steal as much as you please, DMs. It's still a resource to be used, so if you don't end up running all uh, five scenarios at some point in your time, you at least had access to all those NPCs and all those small scenarios and clues. So, use and abuse, steal, and as you want. uh, It's volume one, so we'll be keeping our eye out. And speaking of eyes... Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. You've done it now. Oh. Yes, that's right. The arcane eye has tread, cast its dread and malefic eldritch gaze upon you, forcing you to look at other small projects around Don't the gamosphere of nerdery, comics, and general geekdom. So, what does the arcane eye unveil this time? Well, it unveils Adam Hancock. Adam makes games, and uh, he's on Twitter. Board games. Yeah, but he is also uh, a DM Guild Platinum seller, and with such things as Alice Blueprints for Home and Business. Hey, this guy is a consistent creator with a proven track record of, like, you know, if he puts you know something forward, uh, it's getting made. So, yeah, this one can count on. Also, a guy who's great to his own community, the, the yeah. creatives and gamers. He takes that time out to give a nod and say, hey, you ought to have a peek at this. And we highly approve of that. Yeah, it's Baldurian Stronghold Adventures and Tomo Templates, all platinum sellers. So if you need some templates to slap on some monsters while you slap your players around, those are a great <laughs> clap to have. Also, Baldurian Stronghold Adventures make it so that you can use different adventures inside strongholds with scenarios with little prep time. Good stuff and Alice can have anything you want except Alice. Uh, Alice Blueprints for a Home and Business. At Alice's Restaurant. Or Tavern. Except in Alice. Yep. And so that's at Adam Hancock at Card.co. We'll put the link up on our Facebook page if you want to check him out. But make sure you check out Adam Hancock for good, solid DM Guild presentation and selling. Yeah, well worth it. All right. I and so though with that... Vaunt! I vaunt! The duration of the Arcane Eye ceases and releases you from its dread gaze. And back to Sorid. What? Lacking reality. Oh, but, ah, oh, oh, we're finally home. Yeah. Thank God. At least you have the benefit of forgetting. Sometimes. I didn't forget that one. So, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the Call of Cthulhu look, Mansions of Madness. We're slowly getting here towards the end of summer, which means we'll be running into fall, and fall means spooky time. Yes. So, we'll be covering the haunting, 
sometime in the future here. So we wanted to. Yeah, we were kind of thinking about splicing this one together, but with five four or five scenarios, you have the nineteenth hole. Sorry, drop up on me too. Yeah, I, this was well worth. Uh, you know, we had initially intended to do this and the haunting at the same time, but like even a casual look told us there's enough meat on the bone here that this needed its own time. Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed our look at it, and hope you're inspired at least if you're on Call of Cthulhu or a uh, aficionado of Call of Cthulhu that you pick it up because it's well worth your money and time. So again, we're looking forward to the second one. There's been a little word on that they are, of course, going to be publishing a number of these. But uh, if this is any offering, man, I just can't wait to see what they bring up next. So especially like with the code that that one sent me for a loop. Oh yeah, uh, wonderful connections to the classic H.G. Wells uh, mm-hmm. time machine. Uh, you know the, the consequences of tampering uh, and things that you do not fully understand. I love it across the board. Yeah, they set the expectations so high, and so after the scenario, you're kind of like, well, 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 that's it. Well, yeah, you know, what did you expect? You know, to actually, you know, go back and forth in time. Well, kind of would have been cool, but that's Yog Sothis, man. Time's all relative, man. Yeah, I, you, you, <laughs> uh, the situation is more challenging than it initially appears. Uh, no, worthy outing, uh, absolutely worth people's time and money. And for those who are still fans of Call of Cthulhu, I, uh, I gotta qualify it as a must-have. Yeah, if you're not a fan of Call of Cthulhu, I gotta ask, what are you a fan of? Yeah, if you can't love this, you can't love nothing. I don't know. All right, so. We appreciate that. And of course, as always, favorite our podcast if you have the Anchor app. If you don't, please download it. It's easy to use and gives you updates when we put out a new episode, which we do every week here at the Dice of Screaming Podcast. And also, if you have any complaints, comments, or concerns, which you might have a few, then you can forward them to us on our Facebook page or contact us on Twitter at The Usual Haunts. But until next time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya.